Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. God wants us to come to a place where Christ permeates your entire life. And I'm, I'm pointing this out because I believe that what I see at times, I see people that, that, that Jesus is like a condiment. It's like a part of my life. You know, I got my whole life. I got my whole stuff. But then Jesus is like the ketchup for me. I, I, got, a little, I got a little Jesus in my life. That's, that's you know, I, I got enough. And I just want us to understand that's not what he came to be. He didn't come to be a condiment. He didn't come to be a piece or a part. He wants to be your life. He wants to permeate all of you. And he deserves to be that. In the Bible, sin and leaven are compared to each other. Sin, like a leaven agent in bread, permeates the entire loaf. Sin, even a little, permeates our entire bodies and lives. And in today's message, Pastor Bill will encourage you to allow Christ to permeate your entire life. God wants relationship with us, His children. He wants to know all the details, large and small. Pray to Him like you will talk to a friend and ask Him to be your Lord and Savior. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Uh, like we said last week, we're now in the portion of Ephesians where God has really given a lot of direction and instruction to believers. Um, the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians was God uh, telling us all the things that he has done for us. Um, and so now we're in the section where God is saying, now this is how I want you to live in response to all that I have done. So last week uh, we looked at, you know, Paul talked to them about walking worthy, walking in unity. We talked about the importance of, um, you know, we, we can't do anything. We can't walk worthy enough to be saved. But now that we are saved out of gratitude to the Lord, we want to walk worthy of the gift that God has bestowed upon us. And so. Uh, then we looked at God's heart. God said, I want there to be unity among us. And so we talked about that last week, how important it is that we would strive to maintain unity among us as believers. And so um, and we'll kind of continue that today because the body of wh whose body is the church? Whose body is this? Christ's body. So he's like, hey, don't don't be jacking up my body. I want it to be unified. And so we all play a part. You know, there are lots of different people different personalities, different backgrounds, different makeups. And um, God says, I expect that with all of that, you know, distinction, I expect there to be a unity among you guys. And so we know that it's possible. So uh, now look at verse seven. The first word is but. And so that's always an interesting transition. So it's always kind of in contrast to what was last said. So I'll read verses five and six, and then we'll jump into verse seven, five and six. It says, it was one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is above all, through all and in you all. And then but but to each one of us. And so here's where the distinction is. He says, look, there's all those other verses were just of unity. Right. There's one God, one baptism, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. He's in all of us and through all of us. Just one God. But there is this is where the distinction is. But to each one of us. Grace was given among uh, according to the measure of Christ's gift. And so uh, that word grace, um, it's it's cares unmerited favor. God says grace was given to each one of us. He's going to begin to talk to us about uh, the gifts that were given out. And so um, everybody here, whatever spiritual giftings you have, we need to understand that those are a matter of grace. Right. Anybody here, you can't earn a spiritual gift. You can't even decide what spiritual gifts you want. You know that? 
Um, you might look at, there's some spiritual gifts that I look at and I think, man, if I could have that, I think that gift is awesome. When I look at somebody with the gift of evangelism, I, I, man, I'm not a big, I don't cry a lot, right? But I'll watch like large scale evangelism. I'll watch Greg Laurie preach at Harvest Crusade and I'm looking at hundreds, maybe thousands of people walking down to receive the Lord and I'm just like, man, that is an amazing gift. You know, you look at some of the old Billy Graham and uh, I remember I got to go to one of Billy Graham's crusades and he was old. He's, I mean, he's older now. He's still living. But I mean, he was he couldn't even get to the pulpit without assistance. So he had assistance to the pulpit. They once he got his hands on it, I think he was holding on and he's holding on. And so when you're looking at a man that is he's frail, he's broken, but God's hand of anointing and gifting was still up on the man that preached a message. It was a simple message. But it was anointed message. It was a gospel message. And he gave an invitation. I watched the seat just empty. I just thought that is an amazing gift. Praise God that these men are using it for the glory of God. And so um, God said, I've given a grace to each one of you. And so a few things with that. Um, it, this is why it would be foolish and a little in, kind of inappropriate for anybody to be prideful about their particular gift. Um, I can't be proud that I get to be, I'm graced to get to be a pastor. These are, this is the gifts that God has given me to be able to teach. It's a grace of God. I should be a good steward of it, thankful for it, humbled by it, but not proud. There shouldn't be an arrogance about how this thing goes down because I don't deserve it. It's grace. And whatever gifts you have that God may use in your life that benefit others and bless others and other people may celebrate what God's doing through you. You want to be humble about it doesn't make me better than my other brothers and sisters. We all have different gifts and we all need each other. And that's where he's going to get to here is we all have different gifts and God's heart is that we would bring it all together. Um, that all the gifts would, would come together and work together for the benefit of one another. And so one thing I'd like you to be thinking about as we even start today is what gifts do you have and what are you doing with them? What gifts has the Holy Spirit imparted to you according to the grace of God? What do you have? And what are you doing with what you have to glorify God and benefit the body of Christ? Because that's the goal of all the gifts. And so he says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Verse eight. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. I thought this was interesting. This is a quotation of one of the prophetic Psalms. Um, Psalm 68, verse 18. And I'm always I always trip out when I read, you know, Psalms or things that ended up being prophetic. So the Holy Spirit's telling us here what that's talking about. But when David said it in Psalm, you know, 68, 18, it read a little different. He said, you have ascended on high. You have led captivity captive. You have received gifts among men, even from the rebellious that the Lord might dwell there. And now we come here and the Holy Spirit through Paul is saying, this is speaking in reference to Christ. This is the, that was a prophetic psalm about Christ and what he was going to do. And so he ascended on high. He led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. And I want you to think about this, right? Jesus comes, he dies. How does he die on the cross? People kill him, right? The people that he died, the people he came to die for, they killed him. That's how he died. And his concern, uh, if I came to earth and y'all killed me, I'm not giving, no, giving y'all nothing. I'm not giving gifts. I'm giving retribution. I'm, I'm, I want punishment for y'all. They killed me, you know. But Jesus, I mean, we killed him. And 
He's giving gifts to me and his focus is on the, the eternal work, the long term. And so he's like, I give gifts to men. Moving on, it says in verse nine, now this he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. So there's there's a there's a little controversy here. There's different opinions about what this means. Uh, I'll give you both. Uh, I guess the both prevalent views. One view is that when it says lower parts of the earth, it's just in reference to Jesus coming from heaven to earth. This is the, the earth down here with the lower parts. And so that's that's one view. Uh, there's the other view is that um, this is speaking about when Christ died after he died. Um, where did, so when everybody died, all the Old Testament saints that were believers, when they died, does everybody know where they went? Because they couldn't go to heaven yet. Where'd they go? Paradise. Paradise Abraham's bosom, synonymous terms, right? Now, from Abraham's bosom, I'm, we're going to go to a scripture in Luke and take a look at it. So for those that don't know, uh, hold your place in Ephesians 4. Everybody turn to Luke chapter 16. We're going to look at verses uh, 22 to 31. So Luke 16, there's a story here of uh, the rich man and Lazarus. Actually, Luke 16, verses 19, sorry, verse 19. It says there was a certain rich man who was clothed with purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. That's the Bible saying he was balling. He had a lot of money. He was doing well, well off. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate. Desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And so we get this image of two very different lives. We got one rich man with nice clothes, fair sumptuously. We got this other guy, Lazarus, who's poor, begging for food off the rich man's table, and the dogs are licking his sores. And if we were to stop the story right there, who would you want to be in the story? Rich man, I, that, yeah, don't lie. Yeah. And y'all ain't that spiritual. You want to be the rich man. You don't want to. You don't want no dog looking at sores. So that's what we want to be, right? But the story goes on, and we get beneath the surface because these two men, while their outside lives are very different, there's something very different going on inside as well. And so it says in verse 22. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried and being in torment in Hades he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in 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 his bosom then he cried out and said father Abraham have mercy on me send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame but Abraham said son remember in your lifetime you received your good things but now he is comforted and you are tormented and besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Therefore, he said, I beg you, therefore, father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers that he may testify to them. Least they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them and he said no father Abraham but if one goes from the dead they will repent but he said to them if they do not hear Moses and the prophets neither will they be persuaded though one rise from the dead so this story teaches us something very important few lessons one we know that at death is the great equalizer when you die doesn't matter what you take with you right it doesn't matter that guy died didn't matter that he was rich 
And when Lazarus died, it didn't matter that he was poor. When it died, what mattered? Where you stood with the Lord. That's it. That's all that mattered. Now, pre the cross, you know, before Jesus died and resurrected, when people died in faith, they went to Abraham's bosom. When people died without the Lord, they went to Hades. And we know from the story here that Hades was a place of torment. The guy was in Hades. He had his mental faculties about him. He said he was tormented in this flame. Anybody here ever been thirsty enough that you would tell somebody to stick their finger in water and touch your tongue that that would bring you relief? I've been thirsty. I've been very thirsty. I've never been thirsty enough to tell you to stick your finger in water and touch my tongue. I'll wait. <laughs> I'm, I'll wait. I've never been that. So we understand he was in torment in this flame. And so even for those, there are people today that want to say that hell's not real. Hell, Where was he at then? It was flame. He was in torment. He was scared. He didn't want his brothers to come. He, he realized he was too late to become an evangelist. Um, but here's the deal. Um, so this is the other belief, right? So while some believe that the lower parts of the earth was just here on earth, others believe that this is when Christ went and brought those that were in Abraham's bosom, the paradise side, and set captivity, set them free. Now they got to go to heaven. So um, he told the thief on the cross, this day you will be with me in paradise. And so, and so those are the two views. I tend to believe that the lower parts of the earth is not just Jesus coming down to the earth. I believe he went and set them people free and they got they were like, Woo! They, now they were already in paradise. They weren't tormented. They were in they were in the paradise side. But what a wonderful day. You know, what was that like to go from? This is the cool thing about being a believer. It's just you go from good. I want to say good to gooder. I know that's not proper, but it's just like they were already in paradise. You know, no, we're not being tormented. It's all whatever it was. It's paradise. Paradise has to be good. But then they go from there to be with him. And then forever to be with him. Like that's the that's the lot for the believer. Whatever your life is like today, just going to get better. Right. Whatever it's like today, if it's got trials or challenges, maybe it's going great. Maybe you feel blessed and encouraged and everything else still better to come. One of my favorite verses is first Corinthians two, nine, where I has not seen nor ear heard nor have it entered into the heart of man. The things that God has prepared for those who love him. God's like, you have, I, I got stuff cooked up for you. You haven't even imagined it yet. Your imagination even ain't even that good, right? For those who love him. And so for believers, we have an amazing hope. And so God says, I, you know, I set captivity captive um, or I led captivity captive and I gave gifts to men. Um, and so look at verse nine. Now he said, now this he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. Again, I tend to believe that was him you know, taking loosen up everybody from Abraham's bosom. Verse 10, he who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And one thing that I'm kind of catch, I kept reading this over and over again. And one thing that I want to just point out that we don't miss it or read over it real quick. I want you to see how the emphasis is on Jesus that, you know, we looked at you know, he's the one that ascended. He's the one that descended. He's the one that died. He's the one that resurrected. He's the one that's giving gifts to men. Um, and here it tells us in verse 10 that he who descended was also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might feel all things. And Christ is wanting to, to just permeate all things. He wants to permeate your life. Right. God wants us to come to a place where Christ permeates your entire life. And I'm, I'm pointing this out because I believe that what I see at times, I see people that 
they, they, Jesus is like a condiment. It's like a part of my life. You know, I got my whole life. I got my whole stuff. But then Jesus is like the ketchup for me. I, I, got, a little, I got a little Jesus in my life. That's, that's you know, I, I got enough. And I just want us to understand that's not what he came to be. He didn't come to be a condiment. He didn't come to be a piece or a part. He wants to be your life. He wants to permeate all of your, and he deserves to be that. He's why you're going to heaven. He's why your sins are forgiven. He's why you have a hope beyond this life. He's, he's everything. And God said, I want to permeate your life. I want to be your everything. And if Christ is less than your everything, then you need to readjust your thinking, readjust your theology. You need to reassess your life. Why is he a part of my life when he wants to be my life? And it's a big difference. If Christ is your life, that means that everything that you do, he's considered in everything that you do. Christ is considered in your activities. He's considered in your relationship. It's everything that you're doing is considered. What's, what's he want? Where does he stand with this? Um, and I believe if we live that way, we would be we would glorify him better. And um, we would experience in this life more of what Christ intends for us to experience. And so now verse 11, he says, and he himself gave some to be. And he's going to list uh, a list of offices. Um, I think these are different. There are, there are gifts given out in other places. These are uh, offices within the, the body of Christ. He gave some to be apostles and we'll come back and go through those. Some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So now we get some specific things, right? We know he gave gifts to men. He says here, now I gave some to be and he gives out these offices. First one is apostles. And um, I always happen to, to explain this one and clarify it because we got some silly people today, men and women that have taken the uh, office apostle and just done weird things with it. So let me first say, I just want to clear up what I see, the error that I see in the church in general, particularly in the black church. But I, I see this, it happens in the Spanish church and otherwise. But what I've seen a lot of times is this, that apostle will mean in some people's fellowship that. You know, the guy was a pastor, and then for a while, the trend became that it was a big deal to be the bishop. That just kind of had a better ring to it, so everybody wanted to be a bishop. And and they packed these things with new meanings. So I'm a bishop, I'm like a pastor over pastors, so now I'm, I'm a bishop. And then when that, that was like, nah, what, what, can, what, what can be bigger than a bishop? I'm an apostle. And these guys were having their own ceremonies where people were coming and apostolizing them, and they were becoming apostles, and and now there's, you know, you could be the, the greater apostle. It, 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 it'll, I don't know what it'll be in 10 years from now, but biblically speaking, the word apostle simply means this. It means sent out ones. And here go the different types of apostles that I see in Scripture. So Jesus had the 12 apostles, right? That'll never be redone. These are 12 men that literally walked with Jesus. They were taught directly by Jesus. They, you know, experienced the miracles of the Jesus while he was with them. And they were authorized by Jesus at to begin the early church. And so here's what was significant about those, those early apostles, the, the Bible's apostles, you know, Peter, James, John, those guys. Jesus ascended back into heaven. And these guys were saying, hey, we're we speak with apostolic authority. This is what it means. We're not giving you a message passed down from three or four folks. This is straight from Jesus to us. Jesus entrusted it to us to give it to you guys. We speak with apostolic authority. Interesting that these are the men that wrote much of our New Testament as well. Uh, men with apostolic authority got it directly from Jesus. Uh, a unique one in that is um, the Apostle Paul, because he wasn't part of the original 12. We know that one of the 12 was a fraud. His name was 
Judas, so he gone, he in hell, you know, and so Paul was, Jesus came in his resurrected form, met Paul on the road to Damascus, called him, get, Paul said, I didn't immediately go confer with flesh and blood or with men. He got the message directly from Jesus, supernaturally, and so Paul became an apostle like the others, um, you know, with apostolic authority he spoke. Now, for anybody today to, to want to be seen as these guys, this is the motive, right? If Paul said something, if Paul, whatever he said would go, he's speaking with apostles. He got this directly from Jesus. Now, if I showed up next week and said, you guys, the Lord showed up in my bedroom and he gave me some new doctrine and told me I was an apostle. So Clint, you guys come lay hands on me. You guys don't call me pastor. I'm apostle Bill now. And now I'll be telling you some new stuff. But when I say it, you need to believe it because I speak with apostolic authority. Y'all should all leave and go somewhere else where they teach the Bible. But that's what men are doing today. They want authority beyond what God gives. God doesn't really give me authority. I don't get to give you my message. I'm supposed to break down his word, his word. That's his message to you guys. So that happens today. Um, I believe it's error. It's an error. Um, you know, that's that. But but I do believe that there are still men today that God has sent out. And there are still guys today that go out and they plant churches in areas where there were none. And they go out. There's a man. Um, when I was at Calvary Downey, there was a guy named Jeff Fadness. And my pastor had a vision uh, in for, to do something in Russia. Uh, the walls had just come down and there was an openness for Americans to go in and do something. And so they prepared a team. They had some guys commit to go and stay. So this man took his wife, his kids and said, I'm going to go stay. I'm going to learn the language and I'm going to pastor in Russia and see if we can lead people to the Lord and raise up churches. So this guy went out there and gifted man, um, learned the language, pastored a church in Vladimir, started six other churches. So after about seven years, there were seven churches in Russia. Then he began to raise up local men that were going through the Bible college there, raise them up to be pastors. And about 15 years later, when, you know, there were seven healthy churches with Russian pastors, he turned all the work over to the Russians, and he came back to America and did another. Now, that's an apostolic work. There was nothing out there. He went out there, and the Lord used him to establish, 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 train, teach, pastor the pastors. And when it was all done, he stepped out and said, God bless you guys. The Lord's doing the work. Now now the work will continue. My visa's running out, and he went and took over a church in uh, in Idaho, and he's there now ministering. That That's an apostolic sort of work. Somebody that's on the corner that he been on his whole life. You've been on the same corner. You ain't been out of town to do nothing but collect an offering. That is not an apostolic work. So I just want us to know the difference because it's, it's sad, but there's, there's, there's some foolery out there today. So do, are we clear? Does that help? Do we understand the difference? So, so there are men today or, and people that may have an, a, a call, a sent out one. And I don't want to diminish the legitimacy of that because there are some silly men and women on street corners calling themselves apostles. There are still people that are sent out establishing works and raising up leaders and pastors to, to you know, continue the work of God. So gave some to be apostles, some prophets. Now, in the Old Testament, we had prophets, but they didn't have the entire, you know, uh, canon of scripture. And so, you know, God would oftentimes there'd be a prophet that would speak the word of God where people didn't know it. And they gave warning. They gave sometimes it was foretelling. Sometimes it was to warn people, let them know what was to come. Um, today, there's still people in the body of Christ that function, that speak. Now, sometimes when you're just saying God's word is prophetic, right? Sometimes if, if I say Jesus is coming back, 
that's a prophecy. I'm prophesying. Now, I don't need you to call me Prophet Bill. Thanks for joining Pastor Bill on the Transforming Word as he teaches through the book of Ephesians. If you're ever or near the Inglewood area, you are more than welcome to join us this weekend for church. We meet at Calvary Inglewood every Sunday and Wednesday, and you can get more information on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. You also can call or text us, too, for more information. Our number is 310-245-4811. Again, that's 310-245-4811. If you're looking for more resources or ways to connect with us, you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just look for the links on our website. Again, that is calvaryinglewood.org. As you listen to today's message, we pray that it has not only inspired you in your faith journey, but challenged you in your relationships. The book of Ephesians was written by Paul around the time he was in prison in Rome. This is one of the most inspiring things about Paul. Even when he was facing some of the heaviest of trials, he was still focused on the gospel mission. He still urged unity. He wrote of patience and love and encouraged people to be as one, just as God the Father is one with His Spirit and His Son. This may seem like an impossible thing to accomplish, but when you're living in the Spirit and by the Spirit, it's easier to genuinely love those around you. Well, that's all we have time for today. But Pastor Bill will have more to share from the book of Ephesians next time on A Transforming Word.